Prepare the 
locked us in this atmosphere. You know, we know Gary's past, but this is a day of celebration. And what I saw this morning and is really showing now is I see four pillars. I see Gary, I see Gray, I see Marie, and I see Anthony as pillars standing, standing over the church. And them going to be with the Lord, they're releasing something over us as a joy in heaven because they died in faith. They kept believing until the end. And we get to reap, we get to... You know, a death goes into the ground and a harvest comes out. I'm really believing by faith that something's going to be activated today. And the Lord showed me in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12, it says, These were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, faith's fullness. This is so that they could be brought to finish perfection alongside of us. They're not gone, they're with us. And then it goes on to say, As for us, we have all these cloud of witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. And the Lord was saying, wounds of our hearts are going to come off. But also what's happened with these guys dying, we can't live in that unbelief. And we've got to live in the promise and we've got to stir ourselves and, say, and repent of our unbelief and say, Lord, today is a new day and we, we choose to believe that these diseases, cancer, MS, going into the future will be totally healed. And they'll be cheering us on and their faith, they've got trading power in heaven because they died in faith. And they're going to the Lord, what about this? What about that? And I believe there's power in the realm of the spirit. So Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the cloud of witnesses that are here today. Our greatest weapon is worship, and they are dancing in their four pillars, Lord. Gary is running, and he's dancing. Marie is dancing. Anthony is running, and Gray is dancing over us as a church, Father. So we just release that, Father. Let today be a day of joy and celebration. There's resurrection power. It's resurrection power. When a Christian dies, they're not even dead. They're alive. They're more alive than what you're alive right now. <laughs> Think about that. They're more excited than I am. I'm going to align with them right now. Even just before we go into the next song, if there, there's reality in that word, I believe we need to respond. And this is going to be a bit awkward, so let's try it. But I just, there is a dance that just needs to be done. Not everyone can do it. I get it. Can we just do a little bit of a, just something? Let's join with the cloud of witnesses. Let's believe Hebrews 11 is true. They're dancing, they're singing, they're dosy doing. I'm too respectable. Come on. Open up the doors, let the music play. Let dancers dance even when their friends are dying. Because they're really living. I don't want to be bound by what I see and what I hear and what I feel. Dance is a spiritual dance It transcends understanding Set my feet free, Lord Even if you just want to stomp the ground, that's good That's something you just, You're alive today Check your pulse yeah, 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 yeah. with a cloud of witnesses Angels and saints Rejoicing that Jesus is alive He has set us free Whether in the body whether we're in heaven, it doesn't matter. Heaven is now, heaven is now. I don't have to wait till I die. Oh, oh, oh. We got an early pass. We got early access. 
a cross. They were on a cross that made for sinners. For every curse is blood One final breath and it was finished. But not the end we could. Oh, 
once again about singing with a cloud of witnesses, friends and family, angels and saints.
praise his name forevermore. Let's remember through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart and all of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him, Jesus, from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we were once held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of our sins. Jesus cancelled through the death, his, the price he paid for us. He cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Guys, that's massive. Without Jesus, I don't even, well, we do know what would have happened. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. Jesus stripped away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, our Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Praise the name of Jesus and you will praise forevermore once you truly understand what he has done for us and who we are in him. We have every spiritual weapon available to us because of Christ Jesus. There is nothing impossible for us. So praise his name. The potential in you is explosive. Please open your mouths and praise the name of our Lord and our God and our King, eternal, immortal, forever and ever. Amen.
right now, the Lord sees you joined to Him in the realm of the Spirit. Every single one of you are joined to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Every one of you. And the kingdom realm of heaven is within you. And this is the reality that is being bought by the humility, vulnerability, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ because of his love for us. That he knew we could never reach that God intended fulfillment by living locked up in the world system and in our flesh that had dominated our life for so long before we came to Jesus. The cross becomes the wisdom of God to take us out of this world its dark powers and its systems and the religious laws to bring us into the life of the Spirit. And one of the ways in which we empower that spiritual reality within us is through praise and worship. It's to give Him the glory and the praise, not like we're far off but like we are in His presence because in the Spirit we are in His presence. You are the tent of meeting. You are the tabernacle. You are the temple of God where His glory resides within you. There is a grace that's available to you that you can't get by your best effort you can't get by religious systems that you can only get by yielding yourself completely and utterly to him as if you were standing before him and bowing your heart before him Just take a moment. I just say, Jesus. I receive the finished work of Calvary in the fullness of my heart. It is your wisdom revealed to me that I may know you and reveal you to the world. That I may walk in your wisdom, in your paths that you've set out for me. That in you I am powerful. Yielded and humbling myself before you, I am powerful in the Holy Spirit against all the works of the enemy that tries to lock me up and take me out. But in all things, I'll give you praise, Lord. In all things, I'll give you praise.
just let him know your hearts this morning. I just feel there's healing of hearts this morning. God wants to remove, I, I just sense there's deep issues of the heart, foundations that you've lived with for a long time that God wants to take you out of and bring you back into the foundation of his love and truth in Jesus Christ. Just allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We do this together, but we also do it individually. I believe God's going to deliver some of you this morning from emotional burdens, from bondages of limitation, that you can come into the increase that God has laid before you. We are coming out of one season and we are going into another right now. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is fully yielded. Fully yielded to the finished work of the cross. Dead to this world and fully alive in Him. this is uncomfortable for many of you but I read Paul's letter to the Corinthians and it's when I behold him that I'm transformed from one degree of glory to another and I behold him through the indwelling Holy Spirit that's within me and as I behold him spirit leaps and it rises up within us to override all of the flesh all of the fear all of the shame all of the rejection all of the words that have been spoken against us start to dissolve away because of the fire of his healing presence God wants to restore things this morning position you for increase that you never thought was possible he's taking you out of and he's bringing you into he's taking you to a deeper level in him so that you can go to a higher level before the world thank you Jesus Holy Spirit thank you Father that your love is so powerful that you are so faithful 
in all of your ways. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. can go through now if you like if we can just do that quietly just try and stay in this moment we'll just wait for the parents to come back it's tough leading a spirit led meeting in a world that looks at the clock (laughs) and I just sense moments in God that I don't want to interfere with because they're so precious and we live by the clock all week we're running here and we're running there we're doing this and we're doing that but very few of us get the time to just to sit in his presence and drink him in. He is your life. Everything else we do is the byproduct of this reality. Thank you, Jesus. Open our hearts this morning. Put aside every distraction, Lord. Remove every racing thought that's already got the afternoon planned. That we can just come into this presence reality. that you may transform us into your image and likeness from one degree of glory to another. Thank you, Jesus. If those parents could come back in, that would be wonderful. If you've dropped your kids off now, it's not a long walk. appreciate that you can leave that bed on if you want oh it's on good thank you how are you feeling is everyone all right it's an interesting atmosphere in here right now who feels just the weightiness of the Holy Spirit, just the, the reverence and the, it's like, uh, it's like God's bringing us into foundational alignment, isn't he? And uh, as, as I prelude my word this morning, I'm going to talk about 
humility as the foundation for increase. Humility as the foundation for increase. But I just feel the solemnness, the weightiness this morning. And I want to be really careful with my words because I know in this atmosphere, there's a tenderness of God that wants to dislodge us from some of the emotional bondage and the thinking that's deep in our heart. And I'm going to take you through some scriptures this morning, but I'm then going to share you some of my own journey because so often you get the impression (laughs) that I don't have to go through stuff to get to talk to you about stuff. And I feel there's a grace this morning. And I, and I say that for this reason, that when I feel there's a grace, it, it means I haven't arrived in it. It means I'm still wrestling through what every person in the Bible wrestled through. You see, that finished work of the cross is the beginning of a development plan of God. It's not the conclusion. It's the wisdom of God revealed for us to be able to come into the very things God has destined us to come into. Every single one of us in this church has a book of destiny, Psalm 139. God has written things about us for us to fulfill in our lifetime. But He knows and we know that we can't do it in a worldly system and we can't do it by our own effort. It's just absolutely impossible, although we give it a good cry. We give it a good go. But it's completely impossible. And there's this process where God has to take us out of pride, the flesh, and the systems of pride that sit deep in our heart to a place of humility through the finished work of the cross so that we can learn to live by the Spirit. We say we live by the Spirit, but the Spirit bears its fruit. And so we know when we're living by the Spirit, by the the outcomes of our life. And Jesus teaches us very, very clearly, and he, he had an argument with the Pharisees often, that the issue of the heart is actually where life flows from. And so often we try to change our performance and our relationships and everything around us from our fleshy, worldly point of view. The problem is that we are still at the center of that reality. And there's still pride, hidden pride, in those relationships. And it shouldn't surprise us that this is an ongoing struggle because the very issue of the fall of humanity was the issue of Satan's pride getting us to be prideful. And so we separated ourselves by the fall from a deep union and connection with the love of God. And this is the power of the cross to restore us back into that which was lost. And so you'll hear as I talk this morning about a lot of things that you may be able to recognize. And what pride is an interesting topic to talk about because we're always vulnerable to it. Is anyone vulnerable to pride? Not the person next to you, because that's how we know they've got a problem with pride. They've got a problem with pride. And there is pride itself. That's the evidence of hidden pride. Well, you've got a problem with pride. I can see that pride. Mm -hmm. And God goes, what? And you can't see yours? You can't. Why? Because pride veils your heart in a way that gets you to judge others 
without seeing the very same thing in you. And what humility does is it allows you to start with you and God before the cross, before you go to anyone else. It lets you see you from God's point of view. And it allows God to take you on a process of his wisdom being outworked in your life so that you can flourish. Does anyone want to flourish? I want to flourish. This is wisdom's guidance. And I'm reading from Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord completely. I mean, I could preach a a month's worth of sermons on that. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. What's the issue there? Hidden pride. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you. But we don't. little bit of, I need to get it done, Lord. I heard you, I'll set the timing. Am I talking to anyone? And He will lead you in every decision you make. He will lead you in every decision. See, there's a, there's a God decision, which is a good decision, or there's yours decision, which is not necessarily a God decision, nor a good decision, but you think it's the right decision. You're hearing me this morning. And He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do. And He will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. What's wisdom saying to us? Be careful of hidden pride. And he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him. Isn't that amazing? Wisdom comes, that's the wisdom above, James says, comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Is there anyone this morning longing for a refreshing in God. Yeah, many, many of us are longing for that refreshing. And here is the guide of wisdom, intimacy with the Lord, worship where I'm giving all of myself to Him, beholding Him as in a mirror of the Holy Spirit. Because who you really are is not who you are before man. Who you really are is who you are before God so that you can become like him with all humility before man. Does that make sense? And so we see, don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you, with every increase. You see the whole pattern. You just can't take that verse out and take it by itself. You've got to see it in its whole context. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Who's lost their joy? Uh Uh-huh. Joy is like the oil light on your car. Right? Who's ever driven a car and the red light starts flashing? Guess what? You've lost the oil that makes your car work. 
when joy is lost, things become hard. You strive in the flesh. Relationships become hard. Doing things become hard. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Anyone had that season? Because when we start talking about some things I'm going to pull together over this last season, I want to wrap it up this morning to move into a new season. I feel we're moving into a new season. And I'm not the only one. I think many of us are feeling that. We are sensing that in the spirit. So this morning, I want to wrap up something so that we can move on to something else. And in wrapping that up, I'm going to talk about some things we've already talked about to be a bit of a refresher for you. But here's the hope. That we are not just hearing words, that we are allowing the words to become life and substance and a reality to us. Why? Because we are in a world that is shifting very, very quickly and God is positioning His bride ecclesia for amazing things. And I'm hearing all over the world, I have the wonderful privilege of listening and, and being engaged in conversations with different leaders all around the world. And there is nothing unusual that is happening to us that's not happening to other churches in other places. This religious spirit, pride, Leviathan, whatever you want to say, and I'm going to touch on some of that this morning, has been trading furiously. The reality is it's Leviathan moving with Jezebel and Absalom that is wanting to destroy churches, is wanting to shift society, and is the spiritual root behind all upheaval, political upheaval that is going on in America now and trying to travel all around the world. There is a spiritual reality that we are in that we need to get understanding around. And I want to take you through some things this morning so that you understand God's ways. Because so often we have a diminished understanding of God's ways. We all want His deeds. We want to see the power of God move. We want to see the manifestations of the blessing. But even Moses had to shift himself from saying the miracles are amazing. And Moses was allowed to do amazing miracles. They're going to be restored to the church. We're going to see the church moving in apostolic miracles like the early church again. I'm telling you, I'm prophesying right now from the Lord. But we have to get our hearts right to know how to carry that level of spiritual authority that God is giving us to shift the cultural reality of what is going on in nations. Am I talking to anybody this morning? So please hear what I'm saying from the idea of increase and then open your Bibles to Proverbs 6.16. Let me take you through some things and I'm going to move quickly. Humility is the foundation for increase. Humility. And so I want to bring some threads of what we've been preaching and teaching variously between us uh, over the last little while and start to bring it together. And you'll start to hopefully see the jigsaw pieces come together that, that you will have a vision, a view of what God has been doing, why He's been doing it, and how we can avoid the traps of the enemy. Who wants to avoid the traps of the enemy? I do. You know, he is wily. He is a deceiver. He is secretive. And he does not care who he uses. And what he loves to use is brother and sister in Christ against brother and sister in Christ. 
He's got the world, but if he can destroy the church, then he knows his timeline is extended because the only thing that God has put on this earth to destroy the works of the enemy through the finished work of Calvary is you and I. Sounds like a strong word, doesn't it? But I'm just getting real with you this morning because we've been in a process for increase that affects not just us. It's not just about building gateway. It's about God wanting us to take geographic cosmic space. And you go, well, that's a bit out there, Paul. Cosmic space, what's that about? Well, I went into a vision. Gee, I wasn't even going to go here, but I'm going to go there now. I went into a vision the other day. I was driving up to the river and I was driving and I was having a vision at the same time. And how many of you know that's not a good thing? And as I was in the vision, the Lord started to give me names of locations and start to put a tent peg in the ground for all of these locations. And then he asked me to pour out the oil of the Holy Spirit as a perimeter marker and the blood of Jesus as a perimeter marker. Am I wigging you out yet this morning? And then he said, assign the sentinels as a quarter guard because I am about to bring you into a Deuteronomy season where I'm going to start driving out that which has been coming against you. Are you there? Now, if God is wanting to drive something out in a geographical space to expand the borders of the kingdom, the first space that we've got to make sure is good is our heart. This is, you are sacred space. Your heart is a cosmic geography. It interfaces with the heavenly realm and the worldly realm. Your spirit is joined to Jesus, but it interfaces through your heart into your soul, into the world around you. We are used to living from the outside in, and we've got to learn to start living from the inside out. So God has to deal with the foundations of our geography so that we can be powerful to drive out with him that which is sitting in a broader geography. God wants to take land. And if he takes land, that means he's going to bring us in to increase. He's going to bring us into resource increase. I've had so many visions of late. It's actually God is just yelling at me to get this alignment in place. And so I want to appeal to you this morning that it's really important how we understand the ways of God. I mean, I've been speaking to you about Joseph, and I spoke to you how God uses your adversity, even your affliction. Who's been afflicted? You're in a good place. You don't think you're in a good place, but I want to tell you, you're in a good place. And he uses affliction to get you where he wants you. Now, we know from Joseph what I've taught you, that Joseph's brothers overlooked. Sorry, they they overflowed with jealousy and they dropped him in a pit as good as dead. Now, in the natural, if that was happening to you, you'd say, my future dream is gone. Happens to many of us. The moment we step out into a reality about a prophetic destiny, everything goes in the wrong direction. Because God has to get your heart ready for the increase he's going to give you. Now, here's the point about Joseph. God used what the enemy used against Joseph for his purposes. That's how good God is. Every time the enemy tries to overplay his hand and take you out of God's destiny, 
God uses it to bring you into your destiny. Are you there? So you've got to understand the processes of affliction. We don't like it at all. Who likes affliction? You see, you're in the process of affliction, you're wrestling with something. And it's called the hidden issues of your flesh or pride. Joseph is taken from the pit to Potiphar's house. And the hand of the Lord is upon him. He does everything right. He is pure of heart. He carries integrity. And he does everything that's required of him. He, first of all, politely refuses Potiphar's wife. But she's insistent because he's a hottie. And then he runs from her. He cannot do anything more than what he's done. Yet injustice comes his way. And he's imprisoned. Unjustly. He's done everything right. And so we have this mindset in a very narrow understanding of God's wisdom that if I'm good, everything will go well. How's that working? It's not true. First of all, when you do something really, really well, as I told you from John 15, God will prune you. Because there's a hidden inclination to think we did really well. There's a hidden inclination that when we start getting revelation like Paul did, that he felt, well, I'm just a little bit better than the other apostles. How do I know that? Because I know he was full of zeal and pride and called himself a sinner of all sinners. But I also know that the Lord wouldn't remove the obstacle that he wanted removed lest he become conceited. So it's not always that the things going against us are because of success. Sometimes God has to show us what's actually really in our heart. And whether we really place our trust in Him or whether we are still placing our trust in ourselves and our ways to get things done, whether we're preferring our knowledge or His knowledge, whether we're preferring our ways or His ways. And God doesn't compromise on this because He knows His ways are perfect for you to be successful and flourish in everything He wants you to come into. He knows His ways get you over the humps, past the affliction. It's what you do in that process with a heart of understanding that's so important. You see, when Joseph was dropped in prison, he could have sat there and thought nothing about what his brothers did to him in their jealousy and then start to get a root of bitterness in his heart. He could have stayed hurt. It's easy to stay hurt. I can stay hurt. Can you stay hurt? It's so easy to stay hurt. And I can validate my hurt. And I can point the finger of who hurt me. And I'm not free. It's me drinking poison hoping you'll die. It's what bitterness, that's what the root of bitterness does. And the root of bitterness is a pride issue so deep in your heart 
that it frustrates the purposes of God for your life and your increase that God wants to bring you into. So Joseph didn't just learn new skills in prison. The hand of the Lord was upon him to cause him to develop the administration and the leadership gift that he had in Potiphar's house. It worked in prison. It couldn't be denied, even in circumstances that were working naturally against him and a sense of injustice. So he resolved the issue of the heart. But even in that, he had to learn something really important. He had to learn long-suffering. One of the qualities and the character of God's love is long-suffering. We don't like that phrase. Long-suffering. And in his long-suffering, he had to turn to the Lord and put all of his confidence in what God had said to him. He had to turn to the Lord and build a fresh, deep, intimate relationship with him so that there was a complete healing of his heart. Why? Because what was in his heart would be an obstacle to his increase. And God knew the timing was right. You remember Joseph casually said a little word and said, "Hmm, remember me to Pharaoh. Okay, two more years. You're not ready. See, God knows the timing of when we're ready, not us. We tend to either lag behind or jump the gun. But as you walk with the Spirit, you'll know the timing of God. Any decision we make out out of a wounded heart will be a twisted decision that will get us off track. So God has to keep us in a place where the heart can be healed so that we can hear the God correctly. Then he set up a situation with Pharaoh. God set up the situation with Pharaoh that only one person in all of Egypt could be the solution to the dream interpretation of Pharaoh. See, God is setting each of us up to be his solution to the worldly problems around us. But we cannot carry anything other than love in our heart. Humility and love will be the foundation of the heart, not pride, not hidden pride, that will carry a new level of authority because authority, spiritual authority is carried in the heart. Gifts are given in the hand. A grace is given to you, but how you carry that grace is by what is in your heart. Are you there? So we see that this is really important that we understand increase through affliction. And we understand that promotion is in God's timing, not ours. And God will work everything together for good if each of us take the responsibility to keep connected to that life flow so that there can be a proper life flow. Does that make sense? The life flow from heaven creates the life flow between you and I. And so often what happens in these testing times is we try to fix things flesh to flesh when the only answer is my life yielded to his life to bring me to a place where I get him to examine my heart. Does that make sense? To examine my heart. In fact, this is uh, very much what we've been talking around. And we've been talking around um, 
not only pride, walking in the Spirit. And then Mark wonderfully brought a message last week about the elements of Leviathan. Dave spoke about our words, which are the overflow of our heart. But what's really important is it's the, it's the deep issues of the heart that Leviathan trades on. So although we've gone into a prayer of repentance last week, which is powerful, how many of you know any prayer of faith is powerful? And we can break that connection off and we can sever the tie from that spirit. But what has to happen also is the healing of the heart. Because when that spirit trades, it causes not just offense, it causes wounds of the heart. And before we can go on, God is saying you need to deal with the wounds of the heart because if you don't, there's hidden pride which becomes the trading floor going forward for this spirit to come back. And when he comes back, he comes back harder and he comes back stronger. He, he knows how to navigate you. This serpent will disappear for a while. Do I feel the presence of God? See, this serpent will disappear for a while and he lies waiting for an opportune time he cannot defeat you if you are yielded and surrendered in the love and the truth of God as you yield yourself in humility of heart you render his opportunities to be nil he will always have a go we are in a spiritual battle and it's hotting up he doesn't care who he takes out, but he'll start with the leaders. He'll start with the leaders, and he doesn't care. If he can get a leader, good. I'm watching leaders fall around the world like nine pins or ten pins. How many pins are there? Ten. It's the whole nine yards, isn't it? Mixed metaphors. I am watching circumstances around the world where leaders are opening the gate to Leviathan, destroying other leaders. And in the end, the Lord has given dreams to people to say that what they've tried, what they've led into the church that they're unaware of will now destroy the church. We've got to really understand that Leviathan has these seven heads that all trade become empowered by hidden things in our heart. Am I making sense this morning? So let's, let's have a look. Pride and Leviathan. Proverbs 6.16. A lot of sixes there, isn't there? I wonder if that means anything. There are six evils God truly hates and a seventh that is an abomination to him. One, putting others down while considering yourself superior. It's called a haughty look. Now, when I read that, I went, oh, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Because that's how we read the text, right? I don't do that. Instead of saying, gee, Lord, do I do that? Is there anything in me that is even close to doing that? And what is that? And so often this haughtiness is not just a spirit. It comes from the foundations of our heart. And sometimes it can come from not knowing the love of the Father. You see, there's a real reason why. 
I've had to teach for so long on sonship because it is so important if we are going to fulfill what God has to us to fulfill and come into the increase that we all experientially know the love of the Father. Because it's the love of the Father in your heart that gets you to properly discern the truth and the Word of God in your heart. It's the love of God that shapes and fashions the truth of God. And it's the love of God that brings you into a place of humility before God and before others that you see who you rightfully are as a son. And this is a process. It's not an easy process, but it's a process and it's a wrestle. It's an ongoing wrestle. But we have to see how valuable that is. Second, two, spreading lies and rumors. Gossip and slander, Paul would call it in Galatians. Three, spilling of innocent blood. Now this means being murderous, but it also means being murderous with your tongue. Destroying each other, idle words, incorrect judgments. One of the things the Holy Spirit's been really talking to me about is God's jurisprudence and how His justice really works, not what we, how we think it works. And I guess that appeals to me because I'm a lawyer and, and, and maybe God's set me up for something here. But I realize a lot of the judgments we make are invalid before God. And the difficulty you get to is when you make an invalid judgment in the spirit and you get others to agree with it as well, then you have set in motion something that comes against that person, not for that person, and it sets itself up against you because now you've entered into a curse upon that person and you. And I hear this all the time, but Paul, Jesus took the curse of the law. Yeah, that's the curse of the law. Curses still take place in the spirit realm. And we can bless or we can curse the power in the tongue. That's what Dave was talking about, right? And so we have to be really aware what, where, our, where our words are coming from. Are they seasoned by God's grace? Are they God's words towards somebody? Or are they my reactions to somebody? Because somebody's getting in my way, Galatians 5, or somebody's holding me back, or somebody's limiting me, or somebody's doing this to me. Who's ever thought like that? Who's ever thought, oh, that, that knucklehead, honestly. And then we pretend to ourselves that it's not really going on. Oh, no, because I shouldn't think like that. So what we, what we say is, I shouldn't think like that, but I have thought like that. Mm, I don't know what to do with that. I'll do nothing about it. But here, can I make a suggestion? Because I wrestle with this all the time. I just go, I'm not yet living in the reality of fully being fully yielded to the Spirit. So Lord, I want you to show me what's in my heart and why I think like that. Because there's a root somewhere, I'm missing it. And it's so hidden in me that I want you to reveal it to me. It's a gutsy prayer. My experience is God has always done it lovingly. Always done it lovingly. If I'm willing to start with me, I can learn how to be powerful in, by the grace of God into every context. And then I can yield my flesh to the Holy Spirit. 
Can I just say, this is an ongoing reality that we have to navigate. But there is always a perfect solution, which is the finished work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to show you these things. Plotting your evil in your heart towards other, and that takes various forms. Gloating over doing what is plainly wrong. Spouting lies and false testimony and stirring up strife between friends. These are entirely despicable to God. Now, why? Because it has nothing to do with his kingdom. It has nothing to do with his wisdom. It has nothing to do with his ways and has nothing to do with the ability for us to come into an increase. And so God sees what it is. He knows the source and the origin, and it's all to do with pride. So we know that there is testing that can sometimes come to reveal the orphan heart in us. And, you know, I've heard so many people talk to me and say, Paul, I'm sick of hearing this message about sonship. I said, are you sick of living in it? Are you sick of living in sonship? Because that's how Jesus did everything. This was the biggest deal since sliced bread. This is how Jesus did all his miracles, how he carried his authority. It's how he lived his life in the spirit from an intimate union with the Father. But what pride says is, I've heard it, I don't need to hear it again. Well, Jesus says, you need to hear it until you live it, until you live it into maturity. Because the word of God is not there so that you can hear something. It's so you can hear it, receive it, and be powerful in it when you live it. And there'll be a competition between your flesh and the word of God. Hidden pride. Because I apparently know how God works. Let me take you to Job. Who's read Job? I stayed away from Job for so many years. I just didn't like the story. A bit like Book of Revelation. There are two books I just, yeah, I'll come to that later. They're a bit tricky for me. But God has given me a, a revelation. You see, first of all, when we deal with the idea of Satan coming before the counsel of God, I've got to say to you, I take, it's not Lucifer. It's not Lucifer. It's a prosecuting attorney that God allows an angel of the Lord to go to and fro to see how everyone's doing and to see if there's any accusation against anyone according to his righteousness. Now, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about that. Because Job was considered righteous by God. Now, consider this. God put a hedge around him, blessed him, increased him, and considered him righteous. Yet, even in Job, there was hidden pride. And then he does, like so many of us, when he's going through a trial of affliction, he pulls his mates around him. And his mates are giving counsel to him. And what Job reveals is, in our flesh, we cannot understand the ways of God. In our flesh, we offer fleshly solutions that actually judge God and bring us into delay of what he wants to bring us out of. And what it realizes, what Job realizes at the end of the day is that that he actually needed to humble himself before the Lord. 
He was the righteous man of God. God was for him, but God wanted to bring him into greater increase. So even though we're the righteousness of God, can we still have underlying issues of the heart that God deals with to bring us into our increase? What's holding us back is not God. God is never holding us back. And that is what I'm trying to get across today. He wants to take us forward. But if we keep entertaining hidden pride by not making ourselves vulnerable before the Lord and vulnerable to His Word and vulnerable to His ways and vulnerable to the Holy Spirit, we are the ones locking ourselves out of the increase that God wants to bring. I know this firsthand. Many years ago in the 80s, some of you have just been born... I'm that old. I went to an AOG church. Yes, where's Johnny? It's all right. The AOG's good. I got saved, tongue-talking. I was a guy at the back that every, every visiting man would come in and prophesy over. I was the target. And then one day, I felt I needed to marry my wife. Then a man gave me a prophetic word. I did not even know what a prophetic word was. I didn't know how to process a prophetic word. All I know, this word was spoken towards me and it didn't line up with what I thought my life should look like. And that's fair enough, right? I mean, I was saved and I was tongue-talking and I thought I would set the direction of my life. I wanted to be somebody. I was going after the law. I'm going to be a lawyer. I've studied hard and that's where I'm going and I'm going to be a lawyer. Within three months, because of ignorance and pride, I backslid. I opened my heart. I did not have no clue at that time, but I understand now. The enemy just came in like a flood, like Joseph. Just came in like a flood and wanted to take me out. He did, because I was clueless. I had no one helping me with understanding I had no we just we just rolled out prophecy like everyone understood what was going on and once you set words in motion and they're agreed there's a spiritual reality that takes place and you both got God working for you and the enemy working against you but I was vulnerable in my heart on so many issues that what came flooding in in my immaturity was everything of where I'd been not everything of where I was going So I went through internal turmoil in my relationship with my wife, Tracy. I didn't have a clue how to love her. Clueless. Didn't know how to to love my kids. But I was going to make something of myself. I was going to get my dreams fulfilled. And I would... Stay up late, as I've told this story so many times with Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. They were good talking friends. And I would medicate myself to sleep and rehearse the sense of loss, the sense of fear, the sense of anxiety. But to everyone else, I had it going on. Because I'd learnt that behaviour. I'd learnt how to wear a mask. Are you hearing me? I was, I was a mudguard. You heard that before? All polished on the outside and full of 
junk underneath. I was a mudguard. But what God was looking at was my heart. And he wanted my heart. He wanted the destiny he had for me. So there was a divine setup. Divine setup. A person I would normally agree with and frustrate the purposes of God said, yeah, we'll go to this meeting. Let's go to this Easter meeting. And you've heard this story before. I went to that Easter meeting. Everything in my spirit was saying yes. Everything in my flesh was saying, what the heck are you doing? You know something's going to happen. This is not going to go well for you, Paul, because you're not going to be in control of your life. I went to that meeting. The presence of God was thick, so thick. And out of the presence of God, the Father spoke to me, which I felt was audible. I mean, I went into a whole seer realm and I didn't even know what a seer was. I didn't even know you could see in the spirit. I, I thought the cloud in the room was a cloud in the room. I thought it was a smoke machine or something. I was in the spirit and the Lord spoke to me. You've got to remember, I was there. All my flesh was crossing its arm. I did not want to be there. And all of my spirit was crying out for the reality of the truth that was in the room. The father said, Paul, I love you. I've always loved you. That phrase melted my flesh and my pride. And I broke. Every issue of my limitation and my self-made effort was based on the issue of the heart of my own orphanness. And God took me from that and I went to another meeting, started going to church. There's a thought. But I was still wrestling. I was still wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. And I went to this church for a while. We would come late. Tracy and I would argue all the way there and argue all the way back. We'd go there. I didn't really want to be with the people, but I was there. The encounter that I had with the Lord wasn't stewarded by me. And the enemy keep trading. As God comes in, the enemy comes in as well. And I would watch people run to the front and be prayed for by this particular minister, which a few of us know. An amazing man of God. The presence of God was amazing in this place. But it's amazing how you can even resist the presence of God if you really want to. Hidden pride. And I would mock the people that would run up to the front to be prayed for. Uh, another loser has to be prayed for. I'm, I'm just being really vulnerable and honest with you today. Because we've got to see this stuff for what it is. Do you ever have crazy thoughts that go through your head and go, where the heck did that come from? That's the enemy. That's the enemy. And I used to think like this until one Easter. So one Easter, something happens. The next Easter, something happens. And in the Easter meeting, Rob's preaching about the cross. I'm undone. I'm absolutely undone. 
And I used to mock people running to do the order call. I became the order call. Rob hadn't asked for anyone to come to the front. I said, I'm going to the front. I don't even care. I'm not even. That's how much the Spirit of God will lead you past your flesh when He encounters you. And I went to the front. I had an encounter with the Lord. The fire of God consumed me. I went down. Nobody caught me. Bad practice. I didn't get hurt, but I went into a vision and I encountered the heavenly Jesus that John saw in the book of Revelation. And as I wept before him, he lifted me up and he said, you'll always walk with me. So the first encounter I had, I had to get reestablished in the love of the Father. The second encounter I had, still wrestling with pride, I had to get an idea of how I would live my life from the revelatory realm and walk with Jesus from heaven to earth. I did not even understand how to live it. I just knew God gave me that encounter. Then the third time, in another church, which is the foundation of this church, I was sitting in a meeting. I go into an encounter with the Lord. And I'm not looking for any of these. These are just happening to me. And the Lord takes me through a kaleidoscope of my backslidden years. He shows me every moment, every moment that I was anxious, fearful, wrestling with everything inside of me, out of my orphanness. He showed me all of that life and he simply said this, Paul, are you in or are you out? Because I can't use you like this. You see, you can have all these encounters But until you bring them into your life and walk with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit of God to deal with what is in your heart, you're still going to wrestle. And the fire of God came on me. And that then led to the next phase. And the next phase was in 2007. 2006, Tracy and I took the church, but we wanted more. We wanted more, we wanted more, we wanted more. Who wants more? I wanted more. And I got told to calm down, shut up, sit down, be quiet, be a good little religious Christian. And I said, well, I'll go back and practice law because that's not what I came out of this stuff for and this not what burning in my heart. So what happens is we go to a meeting at Morph Vale Baptist. We went to a Baptist church to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say something tenderly here, but I need to let you know how this works. On the first night of the meeting, Heidi Baker's there. In our circles, we were being like stealth operators by even going to the meeting because this was a no-no. I'm just being honest with you. It was a no-no because it didn't fit the religious paradigm of what the Holy Spirit under control looks like. You see, there's a lot of movements that agree with the Holy Spirit, but don't let the Holy Spirit be himself. So I sat there and worship was going on and the presence of God was so thick. It was off the charts. And the Holy Spirit was moving around the room and as the Holy Spirit would move people would manifest in all kinds of unusual ways I mean unusual and as the Holy Spirit moved 
I thought to myself when the man in front of me manifested in a very unusual way, this is all I thought to myself. This can't be you, Lord. And the Holy Spirit came upon me and said, who are you to judge what I'm doing? I judge God because of fear and pride. Am I making sense? I judged God and he was so gracious. He said, you've got a pharisaical spirit, a religious spirit, and we are going to have to deal with that. He didn't say you're going to have to go and deal with it. He said, we are going to deal with it because this was so hidden, so deep in my heart, so sown into me, it was my normal. I didn't even know it was there. I was crying out for more, but what was blocking my increase was what was in the depth of my heart. And a religious spirit builds on the hidden pride of man. The next night I come back, been set free, and you'd go, woohoo! I had an encounter with the Lord. The next night, Heidi's worshipping again. And everyone's worshipping and I'm not making a judgment about a single thing. Do whatever you want. Hang from the chandeliers. I couldn't care less. I'm not judging a thing. God can do whatever he wants to do. If he's working in me, he's working. I mean, it was a a week where we went through the veil of God. We were having incredible things. The second night, worship. And during the worship... The Holy Spirit said, get on your face and worship the Lord. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Kept singing and disobeying. Second time, the Holy Spirit said, get on your face and worship the Lord. Yes, Jesus, I love you. And now these thoughts from deep inside of me start bubbling up. I'm a leader in this city. What's this going to look like? What does it look like if I'm laying on the ground? What are people going to think? Hidden pride. So the third time the Holy Spirit came to me, I said, Paul, you've got a spirit of pride. He called it out. Boom. I didn't feel condemnation. Not the first night, nor this night. I felt grief. I felt broken. That the one I love, I'd rejected. That the one I wanted and needed more than anything, hidden pride had stopped me from engaging. So warm snot, tears, the whole lot, I just fell to the ground. Face first and worship the Lord. And the weighty kabod glory of God came upon me and took me up into visions that then became a week full of visions that changed my life and changed this church. Not me, God. Why am I saying all of that? Because we're in a season where God wants to purify the heart of his church, to bring it into an increase to bring it into a love union connection in the spirit that is so powerful we've never experienced anything like it before is there still an ongoing wrestle with pride for me of course there is I'd be foolish to think that it doesn't 
Has God finished his work in the plowing into the depths and the foundations of my heart? No. But what I'm learning more and more and more, if I let him do that, it's a quicker process. I don't want to be like Israel, that a generation missed it because of the stubbornness and the hidden pride in their heart. I'm under a better covenant. We're under a better covenant. And God is deadly serious about dealing with this issue. Are you there this morning? See, I wanted to teach you a whole lot of theology this morning. And the Lord told me that won't work. Because he just wants your heart. You see, pride is this amazing thing that keeps me blinded to my own issues or I point out somebody else's. That's really got to stop. Pride keeps me locked up in woundedness or rejection or bitterness or hurt. Why? Because it's safer when I'm in control of my emotions. But it becomes a stumbling block to my connections and my future. I encourage you this morning as we go back into worship. What is the Holy Spirit showing you? David was courageous enough to say, examine. Examine me. If there's, see if there's any hidden thing in me. I don't want it there. I don't want it there. And God doesn't want it there. I don't want the hidden things of the heart to be the obstacle to the increase that God wants to bring us into. It doesn't start with someone else we can point a finger at. It starts with us before the Lord through the finished work of the cross. Humility is the foundation to our increase. Can we have the worship team back up, please? And if you're thinking, I knew that, Paul, well done. Now I've put it out in the open. See, God deals with things in the light. Satan deals with things in the darkness. And he can only keep you a prisoner if you're not willing to be vulnerable with the Lord. He took my shame. He took my shame. He took my guilt. He took all my imperfections upon himself so that I could be free and powerful in him. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I thank you for this amazing moment that you've given us. 
I thank you that every testimony that I shared is the spirit of prophecy because it's the testimony of Jesus and your faithfulness and your love towards us. Of what you can bring us into in this hour is extraordinary, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that somehow you've opened hearts and you now start to plow in your love to the deep things of the heart that have been sitting there all the while and holding us back, whatever it is. And then I pray, Lord, for the finished work of Jesus, your cross, to do its work through the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver us from that spirit of pride, from that flesh that so easily entangles us. And I pray for your healing power to touch every issue of the heart that we will be healed, knowing we are fully accepted in your love and perfectly loved. that you would send the spirit of adoption into our heart in a genuine and experiential way. That you would be the foundation of love and truth for everything you're building in the season ahead. That we close every gate that could possibly be open in our soul and in our heart that the enemy can even think he can trade through. And then, Lord, I ask that you seal everything up in the power of the blood of the Lamb. That every gate be closed, everything sealed by your blood. And then this would be a season where the fruit of the Spirit of love and humility towards increase and abundance would be our foundation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you feel to, there's a massive area here that you might want to take a step of faith this morning. Say, Lord, I didn't even know that I could have this stuff in me. But I'm going to come this morning and I'm putting it all back. I'm getting it all gone. I'm getting healed so I can worship you. I'm getting delivered that I can worship you. And if there's any business you need to do by way of repentance, then we need to do it this morning. It's not a group prayer. This is what's in your heart. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters to God and to the spirit world thank you Matt